You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to take a look at the last couple of games for the Jets. The hot play by Mark Scheifele. We're going to talk about Josh Morrissey's most recent hit. The gaffes from Tyler Myers. They seem to be happening quite often. And we'll be talking about emergency goalies right at the end of the show. All of that and more on the Jets Nation Podcast. So first up, I think we should start with the positive stuff before we get into the negative bashing of Myers and Morrissey's hit. And I guess we've got the lighthearted story at the end of the emergency goalie. So I guess we've got something fun at the beginning and the end, and then we've kind of got all that stuff we've got to work through, slog through in the middle. So first off, a uh, hot play by the Winnipeg Jets, picking up a couple of wins uh, since they've come back from Finland. They've looked really good. There have been some great performances. Mark Scheifele definitely among the leaders in that category. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so the first thing I'm going to mention that uh, irks me a little bit, um, talking about the home record for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, unfortunately, you have to put an asterisk behind their home record this year because of the games in Finland. And no, that's one game in Finland. This is going to bother me all year because the Winnipeg Jets were unreal last year at home. Home meaning at Bell MTS Place. Well, you already have that one loss at home when you're in Finland. So now when you look at their home record, they have two losses on the year, one in overtime. But those two losses should actually be one loss. So instead of the 8-2-1, the and one, it could be... Eight one and one is what it should be, and that That's doesn't so it minor. doesn't matter now. But when you're looking at the end of the year, and, and you're looking at the Jets' home record year over year over year, that one win actually could make a little bit of a difference. And if you're looking at their home record last year, just absolutely insane with the number of victories. Except the thing is, it's really just for us as fanboys. Like it really doesn't mean anything. Be, other than that, they didn't get those two points in that game. Right. It doesn't it, really exactly. mean anything other than just like, oh, look how good they've been at home. And it, it is slightly skewed by one game, but really, in the grand scheme of things, one game skewing those numbers isn't that big a deal. No, it's not. It, it just bothers me a little bit that, <laughs> that there's always going to be that that slight um, that slight variation when you're saying the record at home, while well, well, it's not actually because of that one game. So that that's the thing that irks me a little bit. Uh, but we're talking about Mark Scheifele because since they come back from Finland, uh, they've been lights out, uh, three straight victories. Actually, at home, Blake Wheeler's been playing really well. The whole top line's been phenomenal. Nick Ehlers, Ehlers, Shifley, Wheeler. Uh, I have Wheeler and Ehlers in fantasy hockey, and I've been very thankful. Yeah, by far the best line for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, it, it's done a great service to Ehlers playing with those guys. He's looked great as well. Uh, but Mark Shifley, right now, he's tied for 11th in the league in goals. He's got 10 goals. Uh, he's 19th in the league in points. So he's got 20 points in 17 games. Uh, the interesting stat, uh, while well, I look it up here. Start talking, I'll, I'll get the stat. Oh, okay. Uh, so, Winnipeg Jets and things. Kyle's playing on his phone. Should I do the play-by-play of you? Kyle's sitting here with the mustache. Oh, I got it. Wearing Didn't the take black, poofy, vested jacket. Um, we might talk mustache a little bit later, too, as another fun topic. I love the Movember mustaches going on. Uh, but the stat I wanted to talk about, uh, Mark Shifley, this is by NHL Public Relations on Twitter. Mark Shifley became the sixth active player to require 17 or fewer games to reach the 10-goal mark in three or more consecutive seasons. Wow, is that a specific stat? So, if it takes you so longer what, to explain it, then it actually takes Mark Shifley to score seven goal, or ten goals. Yeah, okay. so all it means in 17 or fewer games to start the season, Mark Shifley has ten goals. He's done that now for three straight seasons. The only other people to do that, David Pasternak, Steven Stamkos, Eric Stahl, Alex Ovechkin, and Ilya Kovalchuk. That's a pretty elite group of snipers. And that was Ilya Kovalchuk back in the mid-2000s. 
very different Ely Kovalchuk than you see now. But regardless, very exclusive club. Great names on that list. Mark Scheifele being a part of, being able to get to that 10-goal mark. What this step means to me is that he's great out of the gate for to start the season. He's getting those initial 10 goals out of the way really, really early. Uh, almost exactly opposite of a guy like Patrick Laine, who, who usually starts scoring in January, February range. Yeah, and so it's good, though, as a team to have that kind of balance so you can get some guys uh, early on and then you can get some guys later on as well. And so you don't want all your offense at the exact same time. And so uh, it is good to see the Jets have that balance, but we do want the Winnipeg Jets to have more scoring from Patrick Laine. And I don't know if we're going to get to that in the next segment or not, but Patrick Laine is a guy who you need to get going. It's working for him on the power play. He is still getting goals, and you kind of have an interesting stat about his percentages and his numbers. Yeah, so Patrick Laine has eight goals on the year. Um, there's a bunch of guys with nine goals or more. So as of right now, Line is about at about 30th right now in, in goals. Uh, the interesting thing is everybody above him in goal scoring this year has a higher shooting percentage. So what that means to me is that the guys above him are likely going to regress to a lower shooting percentage. Patrick Line is likely going to increase his a little bit to career normals, which makes it, it, it should balance out and be a little bit more even. So we see Patrick Line only with eight goals now, a lot of guys above him. I think it will change near the end of the year. We're going to see totally different guys because a lot of the guys right now are shooting in the above 20%. Uh, most guys shoot around the 10 to 12% mark. Uh, the elite snipers, guys like Line a, should be around the 17% mark. So a lot of room for Line a to get better in regards to a shooting percentage. Uh, so essentially all this means is Line a still getting the opportunities, just isn't converting. So he should be fine. Don't worry about it. That, that's the end case. One thing though we do might want to look at though is the line combinations of what we, what we've seen. And I think we've I feel like we talk about line combinations a lot, but but that's really one of the big things about being an armchair GM or an armchair coach is who should be playing on what lines, what should be changed, what should be tweaked, and that's obviously the easiest one for us uh, making just that switch opposed to a defensive alignment or things like that. But for you, when we looked at the game, the, the most recent one, they made changes midway through the game. Yeah, exactly. So Line started with uh, Lowry and Tanev again. Um, during the middle of the game, they reunited Cop, Lowry, Tanev like we're used to seeing. Uh, they kept the first line attacked being either Shifley Wheeler. Uh, the second line then became Connor, Little, and Line. And the fourth line then had Rozdovic, Patan, and Perot on it. So I really like that fourth line. Uh, Perot gives them a little bit more energy, a little bit more veteran presence on there, a little bit more scoring touch than maybe Andrew Cop has. So I like that fourth line. That second line's interesting. Kyle Connor, Patrick Line, Brian Little. Connor and Line both uh, goal scorers, but Connor's a little bit different than Line in the way he scores. So it might be interesting seeing those guys work together if they can come up with some sort of chemistry moving forward. Yeah, I hope they give it at least a little bit of a look just so that we don't necessarily just throw it out right away and we don't even know if that could be a good combination. Uh, but I, I'm interested to see how this is going to work with Line A. I'm glad that he's back with players who have a little bit more of that higher-end skill. And there's been a lot of talk lately about Kyle Connor being a driver and a guy who can really get plays going. So uh, I'm interested to see uh, how that's going to work uh, moving forward and if they stay with that and stay with those line combinations. But even on the fourth line, I think that can work. I don't mind Perot, Rozovic, and Patan, like you mentioned. But that's going to kind of wrap up segment number one. Anything else you quickly wanted to add? 
No, I think that's about it. Uh, it's interesting. Last thing, maybe Brendan Lemieux being eligible to return. Uh, Nick Batan still in the lineup. Uh, I like Batan in that spot. I think he's been arguably the best guy on the fourth line between Lemieux and Veselainen. Uh, he's generating better opportunities than those other guys were uh, and, and maybe not taking the amount of penalties that we see Lemieux did in the last couple of games. Yeah, no, I like Batan in that one spot. And I also saw this online today. I don't know if you saw this about Veselainen going back. Did you see that? Yeah, potentially breaking news, depending on when you're listening. We're tra- still trying to sort out the details. Um, Line looking to go back to Finland. Veselainen. Veselainen, sorry, not Line. Don't scare me like that. Veselainen looking to go back to Finland, but actually going back to Russia instead because Russia, a team, St. Petersburg, I believe, bought the rights to Veselainen from his Finnish team. So wouldn't actually be going back to Finland, would be going back to Russia, playing in the KHL, which people say is the second best league in the world. Could end up working out well for Veselainen, but he's been also great with the Manitoba Moose in a limited sample size as well, averaging a point a game. Right, and I think he has a cutoff deadline of November 17th, which is next week, Monday. And so he kind of needs to make a decision by then. And so then, I guess it's kind of just a wait and see this weekend for Winnipeg Jets fans. If we don't have any yet news yet, you might have already heard the news by the uh, once you were listening to this podcast. So we're not going to dwell on it too much. We'll look at this more next week once we get a little bit more clarification on Veselainen. Moving on next to, do you want to look at Morrissey or Myers first? It's up to you. All right, let's go to the hit from Josh Morrissey. So the big news coming out of the Washington-Winnipeg game, uh, obviously the Jets winning that game by a score of 3-1, three to, three to one, uh, but arguably the biggest play of the game wasn't even a goal. It was a hit by Josh Morrissey on TJ Oshie. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, go look it up. It happened in the final few minutes of the game. Washington's pressing, trying to get the tying goal. It was a 2-1 at this point. Uh, Josh Morrissey and TJ Oshie go into the corner. Morrissey kind of rubs him out, hits him into the boards, and, and similar... Um, a lot of people are saying the same as Matheson on Peterson, um, or Pedersen, sorry. Um, Josh Morrissey kind of slams Oshie's back slash head into the ice. Um, didn't think too much of it at the time. Turns out Josh Morrissey is getting a call from Department of Player Safety. There will be a hearing for this. Your thoughts? Well, this is kind of funny, actually, because and funny in a really sick, morbid kind of way. Uh, it's funny because... Last podcast, if you tuned in, we went on a lengthy debate and tirade about that Matheson-Peterson hit. You and me argued at length about what we thought on the hit, whether it was a regular hockey play, the intent, yada, yada, yada. You argued that the intent was there because he'd been beat, and that's why, plus the injury, and we argued all of that kind of thing. So now seeing this Morrissey hit from last night at the time of the recording of the podcast, I am kind of on the same boat as I was before. I think it's a similar type hit. I think that if Matheson's going to get two games, I understand why Morrissey could get two games for the same thing. Your thoughts? Yeah, so this is interesting to me because it's similar to what we talked about. So the Matheson one, uh, it was intent and there was an injury. Right? There, right, there was an intent to get back at a guy, and there was an injury on the play. Uh, there was a similar one. I think it was the next game against the Winnipeg Jets, um, where there was no injury and no intent, and, and there was no hearing. Right, and that was the one you were referencing last week. So now we see kind of a middle ground here. We see Morrissey. There's no real intent on the play. Oshi didn't do anything to one of the stars of the Jets. Didn't do anything to Morrissey. It, it was a a normal hockey hit between two guys competing. And there was no necessarily malicious intent for an outside reason. 
but there was an injury. So now you get this middle ground where one is an injury and intent, one is neither, and now you have this middle ground, what does the NHL view it as? So my thought, if that's the case and it's the middle ground, Matheson getting two games, uh, other hits getting maybe zero, I think you maybe meet in the middle and say one game for Morrissey, away you go. Yeah, it's it's so tough. You see a lot of hits that aren't called, and then you see a hit like that that is called, and he does get a hearing. And so I, I don't know all the technical terms or the technical rules about how many games he can get because it's over the phone that limits the amount of games that he can get. So I think max over the phone is what, five or ten? I believe it's five. Five. And I don't think you get five anyway. Whether it's in person, over the phone, whether it's just a text message, I don't think he'd be getting more than five anyway. So obviously over the phone means it's going to be under less than five. And so for this, the one game probably makes sense. Maybe it's going to be a fine. Josh Morrissey doesn't have a long history. There was that cross-check last year in the playoffs. They, he got a suspension for that one, didn't he? Yeah, so that's the thing that's that's interesting is that the suspension last year during the playoffs against Eric Stahl for the the high hit, well, maybe the high punch to the face uh, while trying to kill a penalty. So he is actually a repeat offender, uh, which most guys wouldn't expect for a guy like Josh Morris. He may be a little bit undersized, more of an offensive-minded player, especially in junior growing up, not a, a typical repeat offender in the NHL. But regardless, this is now his second time. Uh, but getting- it's a different offense. And yes. so I think they do take that into consideration too. It's not like it's the same hit twice. This is a completely different scenario. Yeah, I- exactly. And you have to look at it a case by case. But regardless, he is in the history. Yeah, right? he, he's been in the system yeah. before. Um, I think the Matheson hit is the the upper edge. I don't think it's any more than two. Um, I would be surprised if, if it even is two. Um, but given his history... Maybe they do slap on a second game. But like you said, maybe like, it's just a fine. Morrissey obviously wanted to take him to the ground to kind of take him out of the play. And he just kind of overextends because Morrissey falls down too. So was Morrissey taking him to the ground? Did Morrissey just lose his balance and kind of take him down in the process? I could see him getting one. I don't think he's going to get two. At the minimum, I think he's probably going to get a fine. Yeah, I would agree. It's just such a, such a subjective thing. And you see these hits all the time. But I like how the Department of Player Safety is trying to crack down a little bit. In previous years, you would maybe get one, but not the next one. Now, at least, it seems like they're getting multiple, the same type of hits. You're at least going to get a call or, or right. a talking so to. So you're not allowed to hit a guy and rub him out. That's right. basically what we're saying here. Yep. And so that's what the NHL Department Player Safety is recognizing that you can hit a guy, but don't drive him into the ground. That's the what is being made clear here. And so if they need to suspend him for one to keep that message going, I get it. Next up, we want to take a look at Tyler Myers and uh, some of his plays because they will make you scratch your head. The question I often ask myself is, Tyler Myers, what are you doing? And this has been a question far too often in my head as I watch the Winnipeg Jets game, uh, most recently against Washington. Uh, If you haven't seen the clip, you you can find it on Twitter. Um, Mac, uh, a huge Jets Nation fan. um, At CMac Live. There you go. Uh, He put a video of the Jets on the penalty kill, and and Myers just making a horrendous read at the blue line. Uh, Essentially, the Capitals are coming in. One guy's waiting at the line. Two guys are are rushing the line. Uh, The Jets have plenty of guys back. Myers ends up taking the pass away and and leaving the Capitals essentially on a two-on-one partial breakaway. Which turns into a part, yeah, breakaway. Which turns into a great scoring chance because Myers... um, 
blocked a pass that wasn't even there. That didn't actually happen. Uh, Myers looking for something that isn't there. I don't know if he caught a glimpse of the puck moving. Okay, so are you going going to are you going to argue? Uh, defend Tyler Myers, or are you going to bash Tyler Myers? I feel like you're kind of in the... I, I'm on the bash side. Okay, because I'll defend him because there's doing? not a lot of us right now anymore, and I don't know if, why I'm defending him, but I will for this sake of argument. So I'm going to. I'm looking at this play. We've cut it on loop. And when they come over the zone, a lot of teams, no matter the level, when they come over the blue line, they drop off a pass to the guy who's waiting at the line. There's a guy who waits at the blue line. As you come across, you kind of dump it off. The guys go towards the net, take the defense, and then the guy has the zone and you set up. So obviously, Tyler Myers is thinking that's what's coming. He's seen this before. He's seen it happen. He either watched it on film or he's seen other teams do that. That's what he's expecting. And if you look at the replay and how the play is starting, there's two guys right beside him on the blue line that should be taking the guy to the net. That should be taking really all of the other two guys. And so that if Tyre Myers steps up and blocks the pass, which he would look like a hero if he steps up, blocks that pass, takes it down the other way, he is getting a little bit overeager. And obviously he makes the wrong read. I will admit that 100%. But he sh- he has other guys on the ice that should be covering for him and should be moving back. If he steps up, Bufflin should drop back, take the guy with the puck. The other guy coming back, I think that's Cop. He should cover the other guy going to the net. It should be completely covered, even if Myers does jump up. That's yeah. just my defense. No, no, I agree. And that is true. But you obviously have to see the play to kind of see what we're talking about here. So look it up if you haven't yet um, to see what we're talking about. But regardless, I think it, it all depends on the Winnipeg Jets system. I think Tyler Myers should be dropping back in that situation because he is the defenseman, right? I would prefer to have Tyler Myers having a guy come towards him rather than if you're looking on the far side, you essentially have uh, Andrew Kopp chasing a guy because he gets a little bit turned around. Regardless, there's a communication barrier here. Myers doesn't explain what he's doing. He just makes a read. As soon as he makes that read, Bufflin's now trying to scramble. The other guy's trying to scramble. Brian Little's trying to scramble. Everybody's scrambling because of this one read that nobody really expects. So is it a case of Myers doing something that nobody else expects? Or is it a case of just making the wrong read? But in that case, you need to let your teammates know what you're doing so somebody can cover. Myers is in the wrong on this one, in my opinion. But again, it all depends on what the Winnipeg Jets penalty kill system is. Did he have specific instructions by Charlie Huddy to say, hey, you take away that little dump off as soon as you cross the line? Right. It's possible. And and because your line mates will cover up and cover for you. That is possible when you try and look at breaking up zone entries. Because zone entries are so important, and we've talked about that before. Zone entries are huge and setting up on the power play, so maybe that's what they had talked about. Myers, you step up, and so when you're on the outside looking in, sometimes it can look like a gaffe when it's just the guy making the right play and his line mate's not covering for him properly in the system that was designed. Yeah, exactly. And you can't know for sure what's going on. Regardless, it looked really bad on Myers. Uh, definitely not making the safe play. The safe play would be taking away yeah. the guy with the puck and you leave the pass. And after that pass happens, you deal with it then. But the, in that the, case, the, the good part for Myers is that it didn't end up in the back of the net. No, exactly. And then people will be talking about it even more. Right, we're the only ones bringing this up, really, other than C-Mac, who posted the video because... 
we're the only ones really talking about it. Yeah, but if you uh, if you look, it's actually got over a hundred uh, favorites, uh, a ton of retweets as well. It's not just a, a little clip one guy posted. This was um, if you're following along on Twitter during the night. Um, Murat Atesh of the Athletic was talking about it. Uh, was originally going to ask uh, Paul Maurice about this play, asking what your system is on a penalty kill, that sort of thing. Uh, didn't quite get the answer to that question. But regardless, the play that everybody is talking about during the game, just one of those that makes you scratch your head a little bit. Absolutely. And I know you showed me another highlight of Myers again uh, in his own zone, taking the wrong player, decides to take the guy in the corner, leaves the defenseman to walk in alone and get a shot off. So Myers either overthinking it, trying to take away the pass, trying to take his guy opposed to just reacting to the man in front of him and taking what's there, or it's maybe him just not thinking properly at the right speed. There's well, a couple of different factors. Well, that's the interesting thing. The one you're mentioning is Eric Johnson coming in uh, against the Avs last week. Uh, Eric Johnson makes a nice little move. Um, Myers kind of goes into the corner because there was a guy in the corner. Myers looking again for that little dump off. But Eric Johnson kind of fakes a little dump off, moves it to the middle, flips it up over Hellebuck's shoulder for a nice-looking goal at, at first glance. At second glance, Myers doesn't really know what he's doing. Uh, but the thing I kind of want to bring up is not every player learns the same way. Uh, I know for myself playing college basketball, once you get to the college level, uh, maybe some lower levels as well, you start watching. Where'd you play again? Duke? Uh, Providence, actually. You know, the one in Rhode Island? No, it's actually (laughs) the small one in little Manitoba here. Um, But regardless, some guys learn from watching video. Some guys don't. Some guys play by the feel of the game and video does not help them. I'm one of the guys where watching video actually does help. I can watch the video. I can remember the play during the game specifically talking basketball here, uh, I know the opponent's offense because I watched it on video. I know where they're going to pass it next. That's so much more helpful to me than just reacting because I know. But not everybody learns like that. Maybe a guy like Myers can't watch the video. He just needs to read and react. So now in his brain, he's got these conflicting messages. Do I do what the video told me? Do I do what I think is right? And that's where he maybe just gets confused and what the heck is going on. Either way, we need a slightly better defenseman. On that right side. But again, that's a whole other podcast. The last thing to mention, sorry, still talking about the same play. Myers is actually on the left side here. If you're watching the play, it's Bufflin and Myers, the dreaded pairing that we saw um, at times during the preseason that's reared its ugly head a few times during the season. Myers is actually playing as offside just to add another wrinkle. Could that be where he feels a little bit less comfortable? Make a wrong read. So many layers to this. Both goals, actually. Yeah, exactly. So if you see the one with Eric Johnson as well, Tyler Myers on his left side. Is the the solution never put Myers on his left side? Well, that would be the first thing I would try. If you it, Maybe if you have Buff and Myers together, you put Buff on the left side. Why doesn't Oof. that work? I don't know. I, was, I heard Paul Maurice talking about how Bufflin can mesh with anybody, just learning how to adjust. But again, that is a whole other topic that I don't think we have the time for that on our and show regardless, today. Regardless, uh, we spent about the last five or ten minutes talking about six seconds of video here. Uh, so it's just a, a ridiculous amount of time spent on one play. But regardless, that's what we're here for. We're dissecting the minute details the that minutia. most people could care less There's about. There's a good word. And that's I what like makes that it fun word. here. All right, so next up, we want to get you kind of a feel-good story from the last night's game. So last night, before the game even started, I was getting uh, not text. Yeah, I was getting text messages. I was getting people talking to me at the rink saying, "Hey, do you know who's in the, as a backup goalie tonight for Washington? It's Gavin McHale." Now, 
most people listening to this podcast probably don't know who Gavin McHale is. Uh, I do. I, I was one of those people that had no idea. I do, actually. Uh, he is a former Portage Terrier goalie. Uh, he's played for the team before I broadcast for them, but I worked with the color or worked with the guy who called a lot of Gavin McHale's games. I've heard stories about him. I know the name. I know he was a part of the championship team that the Terriers won uh, the league a number of years ago. So I recognized the name when I heard that Gavin McHale is going to be uh, in the lineup tonight for the Washington Capitals. So I was pretty excited. You see, I really hoped that he was going to get a chance to play, one, for the Jets' sake, because that usually means that they're going to have a really good chance of winning. But on the other hand, it's really cool that he gets to be in the lineup. And emergency goalies are kind of one of those funny things that it's always a heartwarming story every time it happens. Yeah, to back up a little bit, uh, this guy was only there because Braden Holpe went down with an injury at the very last moment. So if you remember to yesterday or two days ago, sorry, Minnesota Wild playing the Washington Capitals. So Washington's not a road trip, right? So Washington's in Minnesota playing on a back-to-back Minnesota one day, Winnipeg the next. Not uncommon to see uh, nowadays in the NHL making that back-to-back. So they're bringing two goalies like most teams do. Braden Holpe is supposed to get the start, goes down with an injury. Um, so now you only have one goalie on your road trip. And being so far out of Washington, you don't have time to bring a guy in. There's nothing you can do. So every single... Because Winnipeg's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, like exactly. You can't really drive a guy up. No. So every single team in the NHL has an emergency backup goalie to be ready in times like these to, to sit on the bench, to be a backup, to potentially play for essentially either team should the need arise. Yeah, it's kind of cool because he could be playing for any of the 32 NHL or 31, sorry, any of the 31 NHL teams on any given night. Like he could be called up at the last second. And I think for a lot of teams, they have somebody in the building every night. But Gavin already knew before he got to the rink. Yeah, so the news actually came out a little bit earlier, still without enough time to bring in a, an actual uh, Capitals player, um, but at least a little bit more of a heads up than a guy just who shows up at the rink. Because we've seen that last year, I believe it was in Chicago where they had that same situation, but that was a, a super emergency backup where he was just happened to be there. Right, and so he was already there in the building. So it's, uh, again, a different situation, but I heard that he got to meet all the Capitals players, got to talk to got them. Got to take and, the warm-up as well uh, yeah. as the backup. and Yeah, and so these emergency goalies, they're not just Joe Blow, hockey player. It's not just the guy from your beer league. Sometimes these guys do just play beer league hockey now, but they're usually guys that either played high-level college, played university. Some guys, I know in some buildings, are guys who played in the AHL and are now retired, just working their regular day job and just go to the rink, watch the game. And there's some perks. Usually they get some merchandise, a little bit of cash, just just kind of things to be in the building on hand. And so and then occasionally when you do get to suit up, it's that extra level of excitement. Yeah, and this guy, uh, I believe he's 31 years old. Um, not old by any means, so definitely still got a lot of life in him, especially by goalie standards. Uh, actually, a goalie coach, I believe, at the U of M for the women's team. Um, so he's still around the game a ton, just maybe not necessarily playing still at a high level, but coaching at a high level and that sort of thing. So it's it's really neat to see these situations happen. Uh, I love hearing the backstories of these guys. That's one of my favorite parts um, of the NHL, just these weird, quirky stories that you don't really get in other sports, there's really no nothing like it. Yeah, in, it's never in Major in League Baseball. Else. Oh, they have to just have somebody in the building to pitch yeah. or to back catch like it, that. You don't. It's see a that. very specific to the NHL thing, and I think it's it's great when you see that. It's a lot of fun. All right, so that pretty much does it for the Jets Nation podcast, uh, covering all sorts of different things from the hot play of Mark Scheifele recently, Josh Morrissey's hit and potential for suspension, Tyler Myers and his poor play lately, Gavin McHale being the emergency goaltender. Anything else you wanted to highlight today? 
No, I think that's pretty much everything. Next week, like uh, Cody said before, we're going to talk Veselainen, potentially getting moved back to Europe. Uh, definitely going to talk about Josh Morris. He's hit again because there'll be some sort of something going on. Uh, the last thing we kind of want to mention today, uh, just the amount of mustaches going on with the Jets team. I think it's great to see, and they look fantastic. Yeah, I love Movember. I've got the mustache. Uh, I've got to go with the full Fu Manchu, so kind of all the way down the sides. But the rules for mustaches, it can't touch your sideburns because then it's a beard, and it can't touch at the bottom of your chin because then it's a goatee. So I try and go with kind of like the big mustache. You just kind of go with the classic straight across. Yeah, that's what I do. In my opinion, you should start clean shaven. Um, yeah, I've always, always been a, that way like too. A guy like Matthew Perot shaved his entire beard and had an extremely long mustache because he had a full beard before that. Uh, a couple guys on the Jets doing that. But regardless, a few guys starting fresh, uh, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, some of those guys got some pretty nice mustaches going on. Uh, Kyle Connor shaved. I think that was because he couldn't actually grow a mustache, still being a young guy like that. But it's just tons of fun uh, for the organization. Just a little camaraderie you can share with your teammates. Uh, just, just a fun little thing to watch for on the bench as well. Yeah, and of course, it's all about raising awareness for men's health and the fight specifically against prostate cancer. And so if you do know somebody who's fundraising, make sure to donate as well throughout the month of November uh, here on the podcast. We're really all about awareness, and that's really what we're trying to promote is just uh, men's health in general. I know a lot of the Portage Terriers grown mustaches as well. A few of us uh, here at the radio station uh, growing mustaches for the month. But we've got more to come here on the Jet Station podcast. Always be listening every week. Coming out either Wednesday or Thursday. You can hit us up at Jets and Podcast and of course look for us on iTunes. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca